Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, we've got our work cut out on episode 20 of the Catfish and Ice podcast. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and DraftKings. Just got done watching the uh, Predators drop another game. Another tough one. Um, Got a little bit of that nauseous feeling going on right now. I don't know about you guys. Very much so. Yeah, that was was tough to watch, as it always is. Yeah, it, it it's a very, very different feeling than losing seven to nothing. It, it's like it almost hurts worse when you lose that way. I mean, again, uh, so, zero zero, but we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna get into that. We're gonna react to the game like we always do. Uh, this is Chad Mitten, your host, with my fellow host uh, Rich Howe and Colin Bluen. I read somewhere that like over three quarters of the country is under it has snow on the ground right now. So I'm sure no matter where you're listening or watching tonight, you've got some nice fluffy snow out in your front yard. I know here in Nashville where I'm at, we're not we're we're Southerners. We're not used to this. This happens like every five or six years. And um, yeah, I'm gonna open up the show kind of making funny, kind of making fun of myself because you can't live life if you can't laugh at yourself. And this and is a so, good one. This is yeah. a good one, folks. And so I decided I'm going to venture out of my house today, and um, I drive a little Nissan Sentra, so I, I don't have one of those big, souped-up trucks. I used to drive a, a really nice truck, but I drive a little Nissan Sentra right now. Good little car. This thing's not meant to be driving in uh, snow and ice. And I found out I found that out the hard way today. So um, I'm like, I'm like, I had enough food. I'm like, I'm good. But I'm like, man, I. I need some beer. Like, I'm sorry, but beer is like, it's, so, it's just a necessity. I'm sorry. But you didn't so, have enough food. I had, said, I had, I had, now you said you had enough food, but you yeah, didn't I had, have enough food. That's missing exactly. a major food beer group. Beer is Chad. food. Hey, in the old days, hey, in the old days, beer was food. That's right. And so, um, anyway, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I got this little like mini Mart thing that's like a mile and a half from me. So I'm like, I know I can make it there, even though my neighborhood has literally not been touched or treated as far as the roads. And so I'm like, I know I can make it there. I've driven out in this a couple other times uh, in the last couple of days. So I knew I could make it there. Here's, here's where I screw up (laughs) backing out of the driveway and I'm not lined up at all. The snow depth is insane. And um, yeah, I go off in this little embankment that's right off the edge of my driveway and I get stuck. Mm. And um, I'm like, okay, well, at least I'm trapped in my driveway and not like on some random road somewhere. And so I'm like, all right, throw on my backpack. And I'm like, I'm walking to the to the to, wow. the, to the beer store. I don't <laughs> a three mile walk is not going to keep me from getting some beer. And so, especially especially getting ready to watch the Preds tonight. I'm like, I'm going to need beer. I'm sorry. <laughs> can't so I made the three mile round trip walk to get the beer. Threw it in my backpack. It was actually a nice little walk. It was it was snowing. It was pretty. Here's where it really gets rough. I get back. 
and um, start trying to dig my way out of the driveway. Mm. And it's just not working. That's a couple good Samaritans helped me out. We got the car free. It was the first time in my life as a Nashville native that I had to actually shovel snow out of my driveway. So I know what I know what northerners go through now. I really do. I feel your pain now. I'm sure there's northerners that are laughing at me right now. They're like, that's like every day for me. Like, I don't know why you're making a big deal out of this. But that's exactly what happened. So I, I have total respect for northerners who deal with this every day during the winter time for them. Um, I was born in Philadelphia, but I, I moved here as a very, very young kid. So I don't really remember. And even in Philadelphia, they don't get the snow like some of the other parts of the country. And so I have a newfound respect for northerners. So guys, can you make me feel a little bit better here? Is there a, is there a snow story or a snow debacle you have in your life where I can feel like I'm not alone here? I'm not going to make sure. I'm not sure it's going to make you feel any better, but usually northerners buy their beer before the snow even gets here. So yeah. well, yeah. no, they just, they just don't run out. True. There you that's go. True. I, but, I, uh, I made the rookie mistake of actually running out. You're right. So, yeah. so we've had it. Ours has started since not this Monday, but the last Monday and it's not melted at all. So we're now up to, I think it's like anywhere between 15 to 18 inches. I think our, oh, wow. I'm, I'm north of Cincinnati. So no way we have like mountains of snow. And, and our problem with our, our neighborhood is that our, there's someone that plows it and treats it, but they plow like one lane. So if you're like driving, you have to back out and like watch out for other cars that are coming down the lane. And at the same time, they've been plowing it into parking spots and like oh, off okay. of like everything else. So like my wife, for instance, we have a, we have a, an SUV. I drive an, my our SUV and then she drives the sedan. They have plowed basically all around her, her car. Mm-hmm. And so there's about a foot and it's, it's all frozen at this point. Cause it's been there for yeah. more than a week. There's yeah. like a foot, a foot tall or foot tall um, wall of ice. And that's, it's like pure ice. And I can't even, I got her shovel out and I tried to, you know, at least like getting, moving it out of the way. It's solid. Like I can't even break through <laughs> yeah. it. So our sedan has been stuck in, stuck in where it's at for about 10 days now. And then, wow. you know, beyond that, we got the, the two pugs that they, they basically <laughs> have to go over these mountains of snow yeah. to get into the grass. They, they sink down and like for five seconds, you don't see them. You're like, I, I, feel, I hear them. And <laughs> they'll, they'll tunnel their up. way through. They'll yeah. tunnel their way through. You know, yeah. they're smart. Dogs are smart. Dogs in a lot of ways are smarter than us. So, oh, yeah. um, yeah, they'll figure it out. What about you, Rich? Up in Lou, Lou, Rich is uh, right outside the Louisville area, so they get they get snow here and there as well. Yeah, uh, you, so you said you shoveled your driveway for the first I time. Had, yeah, for the yeah, first so, time in my entire life as an adult. I can't tell you if my parents ever had to shovel the driveway when I was growing up, yeah. but as an adult owning my own home, it was the first time I ever had to shovel my driveway. Yeah, that's awesome because I I've shoveled mine three times so far this week. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I mean. I went out and I split it up like I did a little bit. And then I went out and did later, a little bit later. And I swear not. So, okay, hold on. So it started snowing like last Sunday, right? No one has come to do anything to our street at all. No Same one. Here. They have not Same here. touched it. Like, and we yeah. pay. Like, I'm. we have a homeowners association thing. We pay for people supposedly to come out and do it, whatever. So I get done. Not 10 minutes later, they plow the driveway or they plow the road. All the snow piles up at the end of my driveway. So I'm in the same was oh in the my gosh. as Colin, but not it wasn't frozen. So I had to get my shovel and go back out. So so it yeah. sounds like for you two guys, these are inflicted wounds from other people. For me, it sounds like a self-inflicted wound. So well, I, I, I still feel kind of alone over here. No, well, <laughs> no, because last Thursday, last Thursday when we had all the ice, I, I had band practice and I actually got stuck there and I had yeah, to leave my car. 
and go get it the next day when it started to thaw out. So happens to the best of us. And hey, I will say one other thing. I found out that snow shoveling is some backbreaking work. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Uh, Hey, my gym's closed right now and I haven't gone to the gym like all week, but guess what? I got my workout today because that is not fun. I'm telling you, that is some hard work. So I have a newfound respect. For Northerners and Canadians, if we we have some Canadians who are uh, fans of the show, we really appreciate you. Hey, I have a newfound respect for yep. for all that you all have to deal with throughout the winter. Definitely. So this is uh, episode twenty of Catfish and Ice podcast, buried in this winter wonderland down south, and uh, we are presented by DraftKings. And if you haven't gotten the Dra- DraftKings sportsbook app yet, then you need to go download the app. They've given out over seven billion dollars in winnings since two thousand twelve. So get it in on the action. They got, we got an awesome deal for you right now. If you haven't signed up for it yet, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code THPN to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet any team in basketball will hit a three-point shot. That's this week. That's promo code THPN for new customers to get a shot at $100. Uh, 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot. If you watch basketball, you know that's it range threes, so your odds are heavily in your favor. Uh, must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia. Only new customers. Restrictions do apply, and winnings will be paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details, and if you do have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER, or if you're in Indiana, 1-800-WITH-IT or in Virginia, 888-532-3500. So here's what we got on tap for episode 20 tonight of the Catfish and Ice podcast. We're going to talk about the game that we just watched against the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Preds had a four-day break, unexpected. A four-day break is a pretty long break, and it's a crazy schedule. In the middle of the season, But, yeah. but due to the uh, weather that's going on in the south, the Dallas series got canceled on Monday and Tuesday, so the Preds actually came to Dallas – or came to flew from Dallas to Columbus on Tuesday evening, got into Columbus. So they had some time to get ready for this game, get refreshed. We're going to talk about the game. We got got plenty to get into there. Uh, a lot of crazy stuff that happened in that game. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to get into some players that we just have to come to grips that we're about to lose, very likely. Some players who have been here for a while, some players that we are passionate about, that we love, that we – don't want to see in another uniform, but we got to come to grips with reality on this one because it's it's looking like it's going to be a sell-off for this team. That's just where we find ourselves at. And then we are going to wrap up episode 20. In honor of episode 20, we are going to go over the players in Preds history who have wore the number 20 jersey. There's been some good ones. There have been some ones you probably forgot about or never even heard of. We're going to go down the list. That was me. <laughs> we're going to go down the list and talk about a couple of them, their impact on the team. Maybe you'll learn something new about an old school player that you never knew about, but we'll, we'll wrap up episode 20 with that. But we're going to go ahead and get into this game against the Columbus Blue Jackets that just happened. What a fluky, weird game. I mean, I don't even know what else to say. Like it was like, I felt like there was some voodoo magic going on in this arena. Like, I mean, it was, it's like, like I said earlier, it's easy to sometimes it's easier to lose the games like the Preds lost to Dallas seven nothing. It's almost easier to lose those games than it is to lose this game because you take away two weird, fluky plays 
And it's it's a very boring 0-0 game, which is what it was. It was a very – you have to be a diehard hockey purist to enjoy the game we just watched. It, it, I mean, it was one of those games where it literally could have gone down to – it could have been 0-0 by the end of it if it wasn't for the weirdness. Because, I mean, all game, we were, it was a very back and forth. I mean, we were it playing was. even match. The energy was there. You know, the offense is just – that's a whole other topic to discuss, but yeah. you know, we did. We as as far as a defensive game, I mean, we didn't give it up. A, we didn't give up a power play, which is amazing for us, which is mm-hmm. awesome to see. Um, in terms of just not having to be put in that situation, that's fun. It's more fun for the fans to watch as far as pacing goes. But you yeah. know, we we were in it the whole way. It's just you know the weird goal that just I, I, I call it the deflated puck, but I, I don't know how else. To I've never it. seen. I've never seen anything like it. It like I. So when it happened in real time. Yeah, I didn't I even thought know Soros, it I, when it happened in real time. I thought Soros just let a really like almost like a change. Sometimes you'll see in hockey, you'll see these change up pucks yeah, where it like gets blocked and it, it, it gets blocked and it throws the goaltender off because they're expecting a much faster shot and it gets bombed. That's what I thought happened. Yeah. They slowed this thing down from a certain angle, and the thing the puck literally looked like a little pop fly in in in, in the infield, like if you're watching baseball. Yeah. And Soros had no idea where it was, and you can't blame him. You can't. No, I, mean, I mean, it was the weirdest no, goal I've ever seen in my life. And as high up as it was to just drop and not go further past the net, like it, it was just that it was, that like was a weird. Rainbow, it kind of like yeah. arced, went to the top and dropped, dropped right in behind him like a little like it. And even uh, the goal scorer Cam Atkinson for the Blue Jackets even he was, was laughing. he was laughing his he was laughing <laughs> yeah. his ass off. He, like, he was like. I mean, he he even he knew he was like, wow, how was that a, a goal? Yeah. And so, it, but these things happen in hockey. You got to mm-hmm. respond. They do, yeah. And it was when that, and then the the ref, you know, providing yeah. the screen, which I the ref, you know, I get that he was the play forced him somewhat into that position, but I mean, you could not ask for a better screen on UC Saros <laughs> during that during that goal, and it's just. Uh, I, it, it's, it's sometimes you just have to put your hands up and go. I guess this is that night, and that's yep. that's what this felt like. Yeah. And what hurts about what hurts about it is this team's margin for error is so razor thin, and the team cannot manufacture goals right now to save their lives. And so when you get to two fluky situations like that, it's just like it hurts that much more. If you're a team like Tampa Bay or Florida or some of these other teams that you know, easily score goals, you can overcome that. It's mm-hmm. not that you, you kind of let that one go and you're like, it'll be fine. It'll be all – everything will be okay. But when you're in our position right now watching the Predators, you see a goal like that scored and you're like, oh, my gosh, this, this is going to be the goal that buries us. That's yeah. it. <laughs> and it turns out the Predators didn't score tonight. So, it did <laughs> – I mean, Rich, kind of give us your thoughts, man. Like, I mean, yeah, I know so, it's hard, but give us your thoughts. So, you said that it was something with the building. I think it's – the predators are cursed. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it feels that way I mean, right it's now. Just, it really it's, does. Nothing, nothing goes their way at all. And I, I don't know. Like the last, the last time we we had our uh, podcast here, you could pretty much just say exactly the same thing that I said last time. You know, they just they just can't score. You know, they're they're they have trouble moving the puck. They did better this time. They they did a lot better, but they're still trying to do those stretch passes and. Forsberg whiffed on a couple of shots. And he just, did. I mean, they're just 
I don't know, no luck at all. They just can't find the back of the net, and I it's it's baffling because you know they can all score. We've seen it, and I just I, don't. I'm not I'm not sure exactly what the last couple minutes of regulation had, but I do know that going into the final few minutes of regulation, Forsberg didn't even have a shot attempt. Yep. Yeah. There's a difference between shot attempt and shot on goal. Right. He didn't even have a shot attempt. He didn't even have a shot that got blocked tonight. Yeah. He. I don't know. Yeah. He had. Rough night. Credit, and hey, credit to Columbus. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I tweeted this out right before we went on live. Columbus is one of those teams that, on paper, you don't think they can win a Stanley Cup. But they're one of those teams I can promise you you do not want to play in the playoffs. Okay. Because they commit to defense. They bust you up. They, they went out and got uh, – they went out and made these big signings. So, they got some offensive weapons. They got a good coach. You know, he comes under fire a lot because he's got a certain coaching style, but they got a good coach. I mean, yeah. I don't I'm not gonna go out there and throw all my money down and say they're gonna win the cup, but they are yeah. you see this happen in hockey all the time. They're well, a team a, they're a team I don't I wouldn't want to play if I'm a team cruising wrong like Tampa Bay, yeah. I don't want to play Columbus in the playoffs, I can promise you that. Well, and there's a reason that they've been you know making the runs that they have lately in the postseason and been able to have some sustained success, and it's because of the, the style of play. I mean, it just grinds you out and, and eventually wears you down. I mean, as you watch tonight's game, you watch how how hard it was to enter the zone, how physical it was to go through that. And as a player, you're gonna wake up tomorrow morning and you're gonna be bruised, and you're gonna say, "I gotta do that again on Saturday night." Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's yeah. not it's not fun. It's not pleasant, especially nope. if you can score, you can take the wind out of their sails, and they they play less aggressive because they're trying to play more to get to back to the lead and not that, you know, protect almost like a pack line defense uh, for hockey. Um, but when they're, when they have a lead and they can play with the wind at their backs and they can bust you up at the, at the blue line and not, you know, not make it easy whatsoever. It's, it hurts. And, and you see it in the guys. I mean, our team is not built that way. Our team no. is, our, we're, at, we're over, we're, we've improved in size compared to the last two years, you know, prior to this year. But even then, like that's why Michael McCarron's in the lineup because you need a big mm-hmm. body that can push back. Um, with us missing Ekholm, who's one of our bigger bodies, and you know Johansson, who's also one of our bigger bodies, like that's it doesn't do us good. And, and unfortunately, especially when even Philip Forsberg is a physical player, but I mean they're jamming him up, and if he has no room to create, it's hard for him. So and, it, it's and, tough. and on a night on a night like tonight, I'm not even sure Ekholm would have made that big of a difference. I think. Yeah. I mean, you go back, and we've we've talked about David Poyle. We talked about David Poyle a lot in the last episode. Um, you got to start questioning these offseason moves they made because they don't have any offensive weapons. No, they really don't. I mean, you saw you saw you saw saw Roman Yossi in the third period had the what you could say is the play of the night for the Preds when he split the defenders and made that zone entry and kind of tried to put together a shot. He did it all on his own. That's what this team's resorted to now. You saw Forsberg try to, even though he didn't get a shot attempt somehow, yeah. uh, you saw Forsberg all night trying to do things on his own. But when you're going against a team like Columbus, I don't care how good you are with the puck. I don't care if you are Forsberg or Yossi. Yeah. They were smothering them. And then you got Fords skating around, and it's like they just can't connect. They can't build. They, they started finding something in the third period. They did. And uh, Columbus just tightened up, got some good play from their goaltender, and it just wasn't enough time left at that point. For well, me, the first I, period was great. They I, they played really good in the first period, and then they yeah. get down to 16 seconds, and that 
fluky goal yeah. and that just that just knocks their the wind out of them and it didn't I, I noticed another thing like we were talking about at home I know we it didn't turn into anything a goal or anything but they do miss him a lot because Tenorti got stripped a couple times that could have been bad he had a, he had a neutral zone turnover where mm-hmm. he Tenorti just looked lost like it looked yeah. like he didn't know what to do exactly and, and then and and they had a little two-on-one on Saros and Saros made a really good save yeah, and then there was another. There was another. I can't remember who it was, but there was a Columbus player who was actually his shift was over, and he was going off the bench. And as he was going off the bench, the puck came to him. He was still trying to get off the bench or to get to the bench, but the Predators like they couldn't even get the puck away from him, and he was like his shift was over. And it's like yeah. they just I I, they, I don't know, I don't know what it is. Like they just they something's blocking them mentally. And there's, they just no, there's no chemistry. There's no chemistry. Well, there's, no, there's no chemistry. I think that there's a, there's execution and mental blocks. And so, I mean, for me, I don't blame the players as much as – I mean, eventually, like, the players are at fault to a degree. But in all honesty, I got to say I feel like it's system. And I know that I'm beating that guy and I'm kind of beating that ho- dead horse. But we've got 30-point scorers. We've got 60-goal scorers. We've or not 60-goal scorers. 60-point uh, scorers and 30-goal scorers and, and, you know, and multiples too. I mean, we have more than a lot of other teams in terms of just, you know, historically career wise, how these teams look. So for me, my frustration stems from the system because I mean, I know RV is having a down year. I get that. And, you know, we have some injuries here and there, but we have some dudes and the system, it looks, I mean, the, the system looks predictable. The system looks just like it's not opportunistic. It doesn't do a lot to create or generate opportunity. And so, you know, eventually it's like, how many times are you going to try and fit the square pegs in the round hole? How many times are we going to do the same thing and expect different results? Because if you watch the tape, tonight looks no different than any other night when we're, you know, and as far as our zone entries, we're getting some slightly better shot selection. I will say that has improved over the last couple of weeks. But overall, the system still looks the same. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not – It's not. It's very predictable, adjusting. like you said. Very predictable. Yeah. And they touched on it. Uh, I think Chris Mason touched on it. They're taking these shots and the, and the goaltender has – That any goaltender can make. Perfect, perfect vision. Nobody's in front of him. He's got a perfect straight line, and he gloved every one of them. I mean, there's just nothing. It's not the type of system where it sets up where you can skate down, and if you can, if you make one pass, you know someone can bury it. It's just not that type of system. It's based off of you shoot towards the net, you hope you get a rebound, and then you jump the rebound in, and that's not mm. that's not a winning system in my, in my eyes. Just, just some notes I wrote down as I was watching the game tonight. Uh, the way the first period opened up, and Rich touched on it. Preds looked pretty good. They were they were mm-hmm. buzzing. They were matching Columbus's uh, defensive intensity for sure. Um, I liked what I saw from Rocco Grimaldi to open the game. He was yeah. he was skating fast out there, man. He was yeah. he was skating around defenders. He was getting in the zone. He was trying to set things up. He he looked like a little. He looked like a. Hey, all right, Grimaldi's not a big guy, but he no. looked like a, he looked so small against some of those Columbus defenders. But he's out there grinding in that first period, skating crisp, a lot of speed. Uh, listen to this. And hits are not uh, – so the hits in statistics, uh, hits aren't always like an exact science. Um, it's one of the stats where take it is with a grain of salt. But, hey, Columbus had 18 hits coming out of the first period. That's um, that's insane. That's just That's just crazy. Um, there just wasn't a lot of open ice. They were smothering the Preds as soon as they got the puck and tried to do something. And it was already starting to look like one or two goals is going to win this game easy. And that's what happened. Yeah, it's like it's like Colin said. Like 
they they play it. It's the system, and they a, a team scouts them, and they know exactly what they have to do. All you have to do is bottle them up, yeah. uh, crowd them at the neutral zone, and that's that's pretty much it. Because you know, if they do if they do get into your offense into your zone, it's going to be a one and done shot, and your goaltender yeah. is either going to glove it or you're going to get the puck back, and you can. You know, or it's going to be it's going to be a dump and chase where these bigger buys can if, be if off. If your goaltender, if your goaltender going against the Preds right now, you're thinking in your head, okay, I got I might have to make two or three really spectacular saves tonight, and then every other save I make tonight is going to be textbook saves that mm-hmm. any NHL goaltender can pretty much make. Well, you look at this offense and you look, you see, you see it, and you're like, this this is an opportunity for a shutout tonight. I mean, unless Forsberg gets hot, this is an opportunity for a shutout. So yeah. it's it, it's frustrating. I mean, it's just. It's not there's there's nothing spicy about it. Yeah. So then you go into the second period and uh, the Preds are down one nothing because they gave up that little pop fly, little fluky like <laughs> weird goal. I call it a pop fly because that's what it looked like. Uh, infield fly in baseball is what it looked like to me. And then, uh, but they're still kind of like they're still matching the intensity a little bit mm-hmm. defensively. They're checking hard. They're blocking shots. You're thinking, okay, surely they can somehow figure out a way to score one goal, and maybe we can get this to overtime. Then you get the three-on-three action. Then you get open ice, um, and you see what happens. Maybe that's that was my my me being optimistic. Glass half full. That's where my <laughs> thinking is in the second period. Is okay. They're going to at least figure out a way to score one goal. Three-on-three, I think the Preds actually have the advantage over a team like Columbus Mm -hmm. in three-on-three. I really do with more open ice. That I was trying to be optimistic, and then you get that weird goal where the ref – I'm not going to blame the ref. As frustrating as it is, the ref is just – it's another weird thing that happens in hockey. And hockey is a really cruel sport. It really is. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're on the losing end of it. And that's what happened there. You feel for Soros. You really feel bad for UC Soros because – it's like the guy cannot buy a break. It seems like all these weird and horrible things that he can't control happens when he's in the game. Yeah. And yeah. so that goal goes in. Then, I mean, they might as well have been down 5 nothing at that point. When they when they fell about behind two goals, I'm like, there's no way mm-hmm. they're going to score two so goals. It happened so early on, too, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then they come out in the third period, and, hey, they, they put together a very respected effort. They definitely didn't fold. They didn't quit. I don't want to hear anyone say that this team's quitting because what I saw from them in the third period, they were battling. They looked, they looked, they looked really angry. They were trying what they could do, and it's just not working for them. And it happens, and that's that's where we're at right now. And so uh, they end up giving up an empty net goal to make it three nothing. If you just gloss over the score, let's say there's someone who didn't actually watch the game tonight and they just pulled up their. Uh, phone and went to the NHL app and said, "Oh, Preds got walloped again, three nothing." No, it, do- not really. it doesn't tell the story. No, yeah. they, well, this is probably the closest to sixty minutes of a full like they've played the whole I, time. It's I, just I, a I, I, said, I agree with you. I said in the, the Predlines here, but it's like I think that second to the Canes game, this is probably one of our more complete games. Mm-hmm. It just didn't it didn't show up in terms of points. But as far as mm-hmm. playing smart hockey, I mean, not committing penalties over stupid penalties. We didn't shoot ourselves in the foot. It was just it was bad, you know, bad luck, and so yeah. that's where Columbus, the frustration comes from. Yeah, and like it took it took almost ten minutes into the third period for Columbus to even register a shot on UC Soros, and I mean that's the type of team Columbus is. They they know how good they are defensively, and they sat on that lead. They're like they were begging the Preds to do something, and yeah. you know 
they of, they they absolutely sat on that lead. Well, one of the things that stood out to me, and this is my, I've got a couple stats of the night for you guys, but right. the last time we, we had almost. a multi, last time we had a multi goal lead was against Columbus on January sixteenth. That's crazy to think about. That we've got second game of the season. Yeah, we've gotten we've gone a full month and some change, and we've never had a multi goal lead since that game. So that that's one piece of it. But yeah, um, that that's side of the night number one. I got number two uh, for later tonight. <laughs> All right, so oh, you're hooking us here. Oh yeah. All right, and just for our listeners, Colin has not shared stat number two with me or Rich, no. so we're we're just as uh, hooked on that as yep. as you are. I'm, I'm going to make it a trivia question for you guys. Oh okay, that'd be fun. Oh, wow. that'd be- all right. Also, another thing, and then this was a this was a like a week ago when I saw this stat, so I don't know how much has changed, but I'm guessing not that much. I'm sure it's still horrible. I don't know the exact number, but I know that it's a very, very like I want to say it was around like ten minutes or fifteen minutes, maybe not even that high of time that the Preds have actually played with the lead this season. Wow. They've pretty much – I mean, I know they had a one nothing lead briefly against Tampa. I know they uh, they beat Detroit, so they had some time with the lead. And, oh, man, I wish I would have saved that tweet because it was about – it was a little over a week ago, and whoever shared it, if we can find it. We're 31st. But basically the whole – what illustrates it is the Preds have played from behind pretty much this whole season. Yeah. They're just stuck in quicksand. They can't get out. I mean, that's just it's just never ending. Yeah. And so um, they got they got Columbus again on Saturday, and like Colin just said, I mean, gosh, you got to you just got beat up the entire game. Uh, got mat- mashed into the boards the entire game by a physical Columbus team, and now you got to turn around and do it all over again. Um, it, it's 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 really tough stuff right now for the Preds. Yeah, I'm seeing unofficial totals here, but I'm seeing the uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets had 37 hits. Wow! In this game, 15 block shots. Here's another one too that I kept seeing in this game. Columbus was was out here stealing pucks away from our guys mm-hmm. like it was like it was stealing candy from. Excuse the cliche, but stealing candy from a baby. I mean, it was like, I mean, they were just pickpocketing guys left and right. It was just like you you would think that one of our guys has a, a good little chance to, like, move the puck up the ice and then, nope, sorry, I'm going to take that away from you. Yeah. That's my puck. So, well, credit to, hey, credit to Columbus. They played oh, their yeah. game, and then we, they, they dictated it. But I got, I got, I'm got i going to call this stat number two, actually. this is a, I've got a later stat for you, but I just got a new stat since you brought that up. Um, as far as Nashville from the Predators in terms of having a lead, the average lead time for the Nashville Predators is last place in the league, and it's four minutes and 45 seconds. Why does that not surprise me? <laughs> and then, oh. Yeah, and then t- tied, uh, as far as time tied, we are at 24 minutes, and time's trailing, we're at 31 minutes and 53 seconds. So, yeah, it's uh, it's right. rough. <laughs> so we're, we're going to move away from this uh, really hard game to watch. Uh, Preds are now 6-10 and 10 on the season, and their point percentage is just – tail spinning and it's just i mean it's just not looking good it, it's just looking more and more every day like they're going to be heavy seller sellers at the trade deadline which is on april 12th so that's going to take us into our next segment and that's basically hey something we haven't talked about for the national predators in a very long time and that's that this team's going to have to be full-blown sellers they're going to have to think about their long-term future 
talking past even next season and the season. I mean, they're going to start thinking about some of these long-term contracts. They're going to have to start thinking about the draft earlier than they normally think about. And then you got an expansion draft that's coming up quickly with the Seattle Kraken. Who do you protect? Who do you say, hey, I'm sorry, see you later, bye? Because um, I'm telling you, we're about to see a lot of players who we love as fans who aren't going to be on this team anymore. And so it's just we have to come to grips with it. So we're going to get into that right now. This is episode 20 of the Catfish and Ice podcast. This is Chad Mitten with Rich Howe and Colin Bluen. Uh, thank you so much for watching tonight. If you're watching on Periscope and Twitter or if you listen later on and you download the podcast, uh, we really appreciate you. Uh, so uh, let's let Rich start off this segment. And what's the one player you're most worried about losing right now uh, in, the, in the next month or two or when the expansion draft comes up? Well, he's the 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 one that everybody's talking about. It's Ekholm. Yep. I, I think I think he has a lot of value, and he has probably out of all the people that they could move easily, he probably has the most value. He's got a Absolutely. good contract. Yeah, he's, his contract's real friendly. Um, if he stays with the Preds, he's get definitely going to want more money. And I think you know, as much as we hate to see him go, and it kind of burns down the that second line a little bit, the the defensive pair or whatever, but. Um, I just don't, I just don't see how you can hold on to him, knowing what that you need so many more uh, players. Like you need people who can score. Uh, he's the main one, and I think another one probably, I don't know, is Callie Yarncroft. I no. know, I think there's people that would that would want him. You know, he's oh absolutely, yeah, he's a steady player. You know what you're going to get. Power play with specialist him. too. He's got a really power good lethal shot on the power play. Yep, he's got playoff experience. I mean, I think he's got some value, and I think those two guys would probably be the first ones, I would say. that. And he's actually – I mean, believe it or not, at this point, uh, Ron Croak is a veteran now. Exactly, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, for some of our Preds fans that are that really remember this, I mean, he came over in the David Legwand trade. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's one of those things where – I think a lot of teams would like to have him. I could see Yarncroke going in the expansion draft for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, the expansion draft is a numbers game. It's like you want, you wish you could protect everybody, but you, there's going to be someone the Preds don't want to lose necessarily that they're not going to be able to protect. And that's what I could see happening with uh, Cal Yarncroke. Uh, also, Matias Ekholm as well as another player. Uh, you because you have to basically – you can protect seven forwards. You can protect three defensemen. You can protect one goaltender. Um, there's all these different eligibility mm-hmm. requirements. And when it comes – yeah, I tell all – I'm telling all of our listeners, you should definitely go to catfriendly.com. Oh, yeah. They will help you out the most. Also, our friends at Puckpedia is another good website to go to. Um, those two websites will help you out with all that because it is pretty complicated stuff. Mm-hmm. But I will say that – Ekholm is the type of player where I could see maybe he doesn't get protected in the expansion draft. Um, we'll have to wait and see how all that works out. Colin, how about you, man? Uh, other than Ekholm and Yarncroke, uh, what do you see going on with this old, all these rumors about trades and stuff? Yeah. I mean, I think it'll be really an indicator of where what happens to Michael Gramlin because he's one of our best offensive players in terms of you know, fit for this system. Now is the system a good system? No, but you know, Granlin has been producing and he's been creating some opportunities and he's, you know, he's, he's close. I think he's one of, you know, it's hard to be, it's hard to say he's a better player when the system is what it is and it doesn't look very good. But I think if we sell him, cause I think there would be buyers for him, that's kind of an indicator of where we're at as far as mm-hmm. the immediate future. 
you know, long-term future, uh, Colton Sissons is one that I'm really worried about. Um, yeah, I think he stepped up his game a little bit. He had an up and down year last year, but I think he stepped up his game and, you know, he, for, for, he's kind of one of those players that's kind of a, a good background player. He's not going to be, you know, one of those players like Arvidsson or any of those guys, but he does the work and he's a solid, you know, third or fourth line guy that can get you some solid minutes and you can, he's dependable and he can score in certain times and he, he's yeah. done some things to set up the offense really well. So that's got me a little nervous. The one that's kind of a, a big one, I guess, like the the nuclear one for me, um, and I was just kind of thinking Ooh. about it. I know people are going to hate it. Nuclear. Victor I bet Ar- I know what he's going to say. Uh, I don't know oh. if it's that nuclear, though. That's not what I thought you were going to say. I love RV, but, I mean, he's he, a player it, where I'm like, hey, man, it, the time was great. Thank you for everything. If another team sees high value in you and we can get some good return in you, yeah. hey, I love you, RV, but, you know. And the thing is, what only gives me hesitation is like I feel like this is the year where it's kind of been, you know, he's just not—he's not himself. Like he's not been up to his averages, that nearly not even close to his averages of the last few years. And so I'm like, okay, is it just a bad, you know, the bad off, a bad off season, bad season? Um, and it's just you know, it's something he can overcome, or has he hit suddenly a wall? Because to see his stats not even taper off, but just completely sink, it's crazy to me. But did you uh, did you think I was going to say Philip Forsberg? No, I thought you were going to say Ryan Ellis. Oh no. I, well, there's there's people out, there's, Ryan Ellis. there's even people out there saying Ryan Ellis. Well, honestly, I mean his value I don't think is going to get much higher than it is and his his contract for for the caliber of player he is, his contract's very friendly. I think we Well, here's another problem we have too though. And the Hockey Writers, which is a really good website that puts out some really good articles. Um, they put out a really good piece uh, talking about um, in this COVID-19 landscape, it's going to be really hard to move players because if you trade a player under protocols, that player has to quarantine. Mm-hmm. So for these teams that are trying to add one one extra piece to make that playoff push, or you take a contending team like Tampa or Boston or Montreal, uh, Vegas, some of these teams who are like, ooh, we, we are one piece away. And they might zero in on a Matias Ekholm mm-hmm. and be like, this guy right here could be a, cha- a game changer for us, and we will offer some really good things to the Preds, but they might not be willing to make that move in this landscape because depending on when that comes in the season, especially if you go into April coming up on the deadline, they might be like, hey, we would do this under normal circumstances, but we're not going to get this player. He's going to have to quarantine. We're so, not going to do it now. Speaking on that, I was reading an article, and I think – can't remember right. I think it might have been Emily Kaplan for uh, ESPN, I believe. Um, but they mentioned that because of the way the year that is set up and how the protocols are, look for April twelfth is like the hard deadline that you analyze. So it's like okay, that's the last time someone can be moved. But they say they're they're saying you know look more towards two weeks before that as more of a soft deadline to see mm-hmm. more movement than earlier than sense. you would see because they want to have them in with more time, get adjusted to the system accordingly, and then get into the playoffs. You know, feeling comfortable in that system and being ready to produce. That makes sense. So out of all out of all the players uh, you guys just named, the one that that I don't want to see us lose the most is definitely Matias Ekholm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of fans would agree on that one. Um, other than that, hey, everything's for sale. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm running one of those um, <laughs> furniture stores where it's like everything must go. <laughs> they they can't touch. Hey, they told them in Thomasina, my Mr. T line better not be touched. That's all I got. Everything say. is 75% off. We must get rid of everything. <laughs> That's how I feel like the Preds are right now. So, um, out of all the out of all the guys, so you would keep 
obviously Yossi and Forsberg. Are we talking about are we talking about expansion draft right now? Well, just who we're going to keep. Like, oh, who, oh, like, oh, oh, so for me, players that are untouchable. That's a really untouchable, good, yeah, untouchable okay. players. That's a good Roman Yossi for me. Roman Yossi, Philip Forsberg, okay. uh, Ryan Ellis, yep. uh, Dante Fabro. Um, um, yeah, I guess you're yeah. already making me struggle to think of other players now. <laughs> I want to say Matt Duchesne because I am. Well, it's yeah. very well noted that I'm a very big Matt Duchesne fan. But even Matt Duchesne starting to make me feel like, hey, you're expendable as well. Yeah. Um, he had another game where he was aggressive tonight and he was making shots on goal. But, I mean, for whatever reason, it's not working for him here. And so he's another player where I, I'm just like it, – it's hard to find players where I'm like, the, yeah. this is one player I d- definitely don't want to lose. So so if it works out, you know, they'll get rid of either Duchesne or Johansson. Would you, so of, of those, of those Will two, they, though? Well, maybe. I mean, Do you teams know, teams really want. Are the Preds going to get a good enough offer from a team to, to be willing to let them go? I don't know if they're going to get a good offer. Who knows? From but you know, they those contracts. About, they've talked about you know smoozing uh, Seattle to see if they can work something out. Smoozing, smoozing yeah. Seattle. Yeah. You know, Seattle's sitting back watching the same train wreck we're watching right yeah, now. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And so they're probably like, now nah, we'll pass. Well, let's just say, let's just say, for the sake of argument, would you rather get rid of Johansson or Deshane? Hey, I already played this game with you guys a couple episodes ago. Why are you flipping it back on me? <laughs> hey, but if you're gonna make me, if, if you're gonna make me pick, I think I asked the same question. Did you, Johansson or Duchesne? Yeah, I did because it's oh, a because it's a really good question. But it you is. flip. Hey, the tables have turned. Well, how things and, are going right and now? Hey, and hey, some things have changed since that episode. Yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. even remember what episode that was. I think it was like three or four episodes ago, maybe. Yeah, I don't but know. here, and then currently with everything that's changed. I would still say, Johansson, it's time to get, uh, go 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 be good on another team. Maybe it'll work out for you. Okay. Uh, here, here's a severance package, uh, a little basket of fruit, yeah. um, whatever. You, uh, I don't know, yeah. but yeah, I think it's. I think out of those two, I would still want to keep Duchesne because I think Duchesne, a lot of what he's doing is still overlooked unless you're actually watching right. the game closely. So yeah. here, here's the question I have for you guys. So it was kind of I was looking back to I guess the the history here, and if we had not extended Roman Yossi, his contract would have expired the end of this year. So good that we did that because he's he's with us uh, until 2028. So that's good. Philip Forsberg, however, is at he's at six million a year. He his contract expires not at the end of this year, but the end of the next year. And so mm-hmm. if you keep him, he's one of the only core players you keep. Does he look at those contracts like a Johansson or like a Duchesne? If for whatever reason neither of those guys gets moved and goes. They're making eight million, and I'm doing what with the pot, with the pocket my on my on my stake? Like he's going to want his money too. He's going to want to get paid, and so you know, with only one year left, that's kind of where I might you know, in terms of I'd hate to see him leave, but is Johansson somewhere of a situation to Eckholm? Because I mean, Eckholm's you know contract is up very soon, and he's going to want to get paid too. So I I don't, I don't think there'd be a lot of um, a lot of people upset if Johansson was unloaded. No, I'm talking about Forsberg. Oh, yeah, Forsberg. Forsberg was unloaded. No, I think I think Forsberg is uh, the type of play. you. Even if you go full on rebuild and you quote unquote burn it down, you yeah. still got to keep some core players. Yeah. You can't just you can't just go into the seat. You can't even you can't go into the future with nothing. And yeah. so I do think there's a handful of core players you need to keep that you can build around and you pay them. You think it's like, a, and like you just said, Yossi is already locked up, so that's a really refreshing thing to know. Yeah, uh, so but Forsberg is that player for me. I I 
I would be so upset if if they like I don't care what we get in return. But yeah. I think what I think what Colin means is like so if we can't get rid of Duchesne and Johansson, those guys make a whole bunch of money, and Philip Forsberg is going to want some money. Oh, you might find yourself in that situation. Yeah, in, in a to. year or two, he's going to. I think. Money. I and think Forsberg have to un- what, either what, unload him or. or when it comes to play, when it comes to players like Johansson and Duchesne, if you want to unload them, you'll find will, a buyer. You'll find a buyer, but it might not be what you exactly want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's 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 kind of what scares me. But you'll like, you'll find them. They're still they're still highly skilled players. A team will take them. What you really wish was happening is that Duchesne and Johansson were a playing better. Johansson's yeah. not even playing right now because he's on injury reserve. But even when before he went on IR, du, uh, Johansson was basically invisible on the ice, basically. And then Duchesne is doing some good things, but he's not making the impact you need to see him make at his contract level. So what you wish was happening right now is, let's say the team was still losing like they are, but Duchesne was still putting up good numbers and Johansson was playing and putting up good numbers and they were still losing, at least they would be boosting their trade value. They're not boosting anything. Mm -mm. There's no teams out there who are looking at Duchesne and Johansson and thinking, oh, they play for a bad team, but we would really like to have them. I really but like what they're doing. It comes down to the opposition scouts, too. I mean, it's got to see, it comes down to what they're seeing and how they how they think they would do in a different system. But at the same time, like those guys are both making eight million a year. And you Grand, got Forsberg, who's making. When it comes six, to doing something in a different system, that's Granlin's the type of player where I feel like if he played for another team right now, he would be he would be back to being a fifty to sixty point scorer. Yeah, I, I agree, but. You're looking at the number, it's like six million for Forsberg this year and next year, and then after that, he's going to want. You're either. I'd like to see him extended, honestly, this off season. But then it's like, what are you paying? Because he looks to you know Duchesne and Johansson. They're making eight million a year, and he's putting up fifty percent more points than they are. So it's like, all right, does he make eight million or more than that? You don't want to get close to the McDavid numbers because he's not a McDavid talent. I mean, I hate to. Yeah. I no, love Forsberg, not. but he's not. He's not no, eleven he's not. million to fourteen. He's not quite there. No, he's not there. He's definitely not there yet. He could so, be. Could be, and and he's still he's still you know he's only twenty six, so it's like he's got time. But he, hey, yeah, yeah. he's he's nine years into his career. Um, I, I put an article on Pride Lines today talking about how basically Phil Forsberg's season, great season he's having. This was going into tonight's game, is is going to be wasted. Like no one really realizes how good of a season Forsberg's having because the team is not playing well. But if the yeah. team was playing much better and winning games. A lot of people would be out there talking about how good of a season Philip Forsberg's having, averaging a point he, a game. He's a point per game. Yep. He didn't he didn't do anything tonight, but he went up against a really good defensive team, and it just didn't work out for him. But so I wrote about that. But so he he could end up having his most efficient season in his nine year NHL career this season, and it's going to be widely overlooked because the Preds are a dumpster fire, and yeah. so that's just where where it's at. But I let, let's. To wrap up the segment, talking about players we're afraid we're going to lose in the expansion draft and or the trade deadline, we're all in consensus here. Ekholm is at the top of that list. Mm-hmm. But if you get a good enough return, you absolutely have to do it. It's going to be hard to see, but you got to do it. You got so to think about- a bus- it's a business decision, right? Yeah, exactly. And so Ekholm leads that list for us. Uh Cal Yarncroke is big on our list there. And then we also talked about uh, Colton Sissons. We talked about Brian Johansson, Matt Duchesne. you got to find buyers for those players, though. 
Um, even Victor Arvidsson's out there. I mean, it's there's a lot of players. You even got to talk about these one-year deals. Over that's the what I was going yeah. to bring up. So we've got Brad Richardson. You know, are they going to get? I mean, somebody might somebody might want him. I don't you know, think he's so. a veteran. I don't know. He hasn't even played hardly this season. He hasn't Not, played that much. Yeah. So we got him, know. Eric Halla. You think somebody's going to want him? I don't know. <laughs> None of those players have done anything to boost their value. I'll tell you that. No. Yeah. I, These you are your your name players that we already told we overpaid for. Out so. of all the new players we have on this team, Eric Hall has been the biggest disappointment for me. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Cousins too a little bit. Nick Cousins. He's got yeah, some I mean, utility to him. He's got some yeah. utility. I think he does, he, he's kind of a place. bruiser. He's one of those dirty bruisers out there. It's a he yeah. happens to be a forward, but he's Hall is the one where I thought Hall was going to fit in as possibly I did too. a Craig Smith replacement, and he's not even half Smith of that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just look at these guys, and it's like there's going to be a lot of people gone, and and like when they signed him in the off season, we all I think we all kind of tricked ourselves into believing this was going to be awesome. <laughs> I agree awesome. with you there. Yeah. You know, we were we were like, well, I don't know, but I don't know if I'd use the term awesome. Okay, not awesome. I, I was I was intrigued. I went a little optimistic. Opti- there you go. Colin said it. Optimistic. I, I was intrigued. Yeah, we were like, okay, I can see what you're doing. You're saving some cap money. You're getting these these smaller contracts. It makes low sense. Low risk. They were low but risk. It, but man, it just it just well, went to hell fast. Hey, hey. Go ahead, Colin, and then I want to. I want to make. It a looks point. more and more like it was kind of like we were being patronized. Like we were told, "You're going to get oh. a youth movement, but we're going to bring in these veterans just in case." Hey, it was like we're hedging our bets. But yep. if we're going to be negative a little bit, then let's also. For me, I'm going to focus on a little bit of the positive, and then I do think that Borovieski's been one minor uh, positive when it yeah, comes to that. Say. When it comes I'll to say. when it comes to that group of players we added over the offseason, Borovieski is kind of in a. And I even think Luke Cunnings had his moments, but definitely Mark Borowiecki. He he put one. He put uh, he was out there throwing dudes to the ice. Yeah, I think I mean, Benning too. Benning has been pretty solid for us. Yeah, I know, Colin. Yeah, you're high on on Matt Benning. Yeah. Borowiecki so had a good much. save. I don't yeah. see much difference from Matt Benning and Yannick Weber. That might be an unpopular opinion. I I think he's I think he's slightly smarter. I'll give him that. But they're not. But they're kind of like the same player. I feel like I'm sorry, like. Benning's younger and he has more upside, but other than that, I really don't see a difference between those two. Because Yannick Weber would do the same thing; he'd be out there and he would he would block shots. He every now and then he'd slap a puck at the net, hopes it deflected off somebody to go in. Yeah. Um. So and and Yannick Weber had that weird tryout in training camp that we all thought oh, yeah. was kind of odd. Yeah. But um, he plays for Pittsburgh now. But I'm not gonna pile. I'm not gonna pile on Benning because Benning Benning's not a. He's not the reason why this team is so bad. No. We, we so, could I mean, do worse I'm for the definitely not going to pile on Benning. It's yeah. nothing Benning's done wrong or anything like yeah. that. He hasn't been some glaring weakness or anything like that. But, uh, hey, there, there's more, there, hey, the more this tail spins, there's the more reason that you get people like Alexander Carrier. In the, he's on the taxi squad right now. Mm-hmm. I want to see Carrier on the defensive lineup. I want him to see him replace Jared Tenorti. Sorry, Tenorti. I want to see Carrier take Tony's spot, and I I wouldn't even be I'd be even okay with Tenor, uh, with uh, Carrier being on the second defensive pairing. Mm-hmm. I think they go. I think they, was at. go I think they always go Tenorti because he's so big. But Carrier has yeah. an, you, you're a team I, that needs some offensive I, zing, and well, Carrier has some offensive zing. 
Do you also need to see we haven't been Harper? I mean, that's the player that we've yeah, kept on Harper last year. Yes. Has no chance. I mean, Lucas, Lucas Misa, I know he's not healthy right now, but <laughs> I just feel like that's the guy where, like, why hey, are we they already, him? They even brought up that Spisa might be healthy and be able to play here very soon. I, so. I just don't get why we're paying him money. I don't see oh. I don't see how he makes us better. But It's because yeah, he's, he's Roman Yossi's childhood friend. And, hey, we <laughs> talked about in the last episode about David Poyle, and we're trying to figure out what he's what his plan is. One thing I can tell you is he, he he did a good job signing all these players who have no offensive value. Yeah. He did a good job there. He, yeah. Like, can we spread our wealth a little bit here? Can we get some players who are good defensively, but also get some good players that are good offensively? Because it feels like he all he focused on was we're going to get these grit and grind players, which, you know, we were all kind of like, – we liked that for a little bit. Who would have thought they had to score goals to win a game? But none of us, none of us realized that it was going to be this big of a swing. Where because well, yeah. one of the problems last season was we would score three or four or sometimes even five goals in a game and still be in these track meets. Yeah. I think we man, I, 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 we do we all wish we were back there again? I think we, I think we enjoyed the grit talk. I mean, come on. Yeah, you're right. I think we enjoyed all the grit and getting back to play in the predator way and all that stuff. We, we really enjoyed that, but we were also banking on Forsberg, Arvidsson, Duchesne, all those guys who struggled last predator year. Predator way. Is that what we're going to call it now? The predator that's, way. That's what David Paul <laughs> called it, but we were banking okay. on, we were banking on those guys being able to score and getting out of the slumps they had last year. And then if you put that with the grit, they were supposed to be, you know, great. I, On paper, they were awesome, but it's just not panning out at all. I don't want to be that guy, but if you give if you give Peter Laviolette this third pair of defense, and and keep, and even keep the players we have right now, I think we're a top four team in the division. Hey, we can, we, can specu- we can speculate all day <laughs> we what can, the team we can. would be doing if Peter Laviolette was the coach. He oh. might he might get a couple more wins out of this team, but I don't think he would change this team. I think not, the team is who it is. I will say what this team looks like it's built for. Is Barry Trotz just got the strong oh out there? Don't even get me started the, the on Trotzy. Way- if Trotzy was here, I think he would. He would. Trotzy would eke out every possible win out of this team right now. It, it would be like it would be like squeezing water out of a pebble, but we would still, I think, be in a better situation. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you about made me spit that all over my screen. Oh. Uh, oh. That, anyways, that about, that about turned into a messy situation. <laughs> okay. That was got- good though. They have got to win Saturday because we can't keep yes. doing this. Like oh, every keep saying that every game, we're like, it's just oh gosh. I think what, I think what we're does it turn into? Obligated. It's not a must win anymore, and it just doesn't matter. I don't it's know. a please. It's a please win. All right. I think, I think it's turning into a. What did we say? You gave them what two weeks? I oh so I I called I called tonight's game. Okay. The Predators' last stand. Okay. Yeah. So and I'm, it's going and for all you history buffs, it went the way of uh, Colonel Custard. Yeah, so I went. I said two weeks originally. I'm sorry. Uh, a little bit, like a week, like a half a week ago. I think it's a week. I think right. you know the end. The end is near. For <laughs> I mean, unless unless they it have sounds, like a, it sounded like Predators Facebook in here. <laughs> oh, it does. I mean, <laughs> I mean, unless unless they have a six game winning streak in their back pocket that they just haven't shown us yet. I just don't know how that's going to happen. It, but yeah. even if they do, even if they do though. You still got to make these changes we talk about. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Exactly. So, 
Eckholm's the player we all think that we're most worried about, but there's a wide range of players we could be end up losing. So we're going to have plenty to talk about in the coming weeks and these coming up episodes when we uh, – hey, buckle up. Hey, all of our <laughs> listeners and fans, just because the team's performing badly, hey, you can even argue it's going to be more entertaining on this show yeah. with all this craziness. And so it's easy to react and have fun to a win, but we're down in the mud with you guys right now. We're, we're, we're suffering through this with you. So keep watching the show because it's going to get fun. It's going to it's going to be hard, but we're going to make fun with it, and we're going to have fun with it. And we're, right. we're going to keep giving you all the all the opinions that you might not see in other parts of the Preds media landscape. And we yeah. might give it's, you some beer recommendations for coping. So oh yeah, we'll get into that. Hey, that might be a future segment, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's episode twenty of the Catfish Nice Podcast. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. We're presented by DraftKings. So all of our listeners who don't have the DraftKings Sportsbook app yet, go get that promo code, THPN, and it's going to give you an easy chance to win some money, and it's going to give you kind of a launching point to go out there and have some fun with the Sportsbook app. And so we're going to this final segment, and we're going to talk about some of – Pretty much it. All right. So the jersey number twenty to celebrate episode twenty. We're going to talk about some players who have wore the jersey number twenty in <laughs> Preds history, and it's really not that long of a list. It's no. not as long as you'd think it would be. There's nine, nine players. Oh, so Rich counted it for us, and I can promise you that unless you are like you live, eat, breathe Preds hockey since 1998, um, I can promise you that some of these players you're not going to remember or even know. And so, I'm. You guys want to go chronological here, or do we want to go most significant first? I would say I feel like that's the same thing almost. Okay, so <laughs> maybe I've all, I, I'm a newer fan, so I haven't watched them since '98 or anything. Well, hey, I recognize I recognize two of these names. It that's doesn't it. matter that's if fair. you're a newer fan or not. There's a lot of fans who aren't going to recognize these. Okay, names. well that's, yeah, that's that makes me so feel, don't feel bad about that. Don't feel bad. I about saw that. this and I was like. Mm. Let's just let's just keep it chronological. How about that? Yeah, yeah, no, right. I think chronological is a good way to go. And so, the first number twenty player to wear the number twenty was Jamie Heward for the inaugural season, and he was a defenseman and actually put up eighteen points. Okay, that team was totally blue collar. If you are if you if you've been a season ticket holder since day one for the Preds. Tweet the show. Tell us if you remember anything about Jamie Heward. Uh, <laughs> HockeyReference.com hockey was my best friend when it came to yes. looking up these players. Yep. But uh, Jamie Heward, 18 points in, 90, in 1998. So, hey, he's a defenseman. That All team right. – hey, one thing I will tell you about that inaugural team, they had very little talent whatsoever. But that team had some ups, upsets that year. They even beat the Detroit Red Wings that year when the Red Wings were a dynasty. Yep. You never watched that team at the time, and a lot of people will tell you this, and thought this team's not leaving every ounce of energy on this ice. And so it was an easy team to cheer for because you knew they weren't talented. You knew they were an expansion team. But they they punched you in the mouth. They fought all the time. Much like this team right now, they, they couldn't score more than a goal or two a game because they just didn't have any offensive firepower. I feel like things have come full circle right now. Uh, with this team, but um, that team didn't have a Philip Forsberg on their team though, or Roman Yossi. So we'll go there. But so, um, go ahead. 
for, well, for this next one, I was going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to give you mad props. If you can pronounce this next one correctly. Oh, I can say I got it. I think I got well, it. So, so uh, the next season, 2000, or let's see. So to, there were, there wasn't a player who want, wore the number 20 Jersey in 2000, 2001 season. And then we got 2001, 2002. We have Nathan Perot. I got someone. I got someone between Perot and. Who do you have? Uh, who is his name? John. Is it John? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to try that one? The last name. Uh, Now I gotta look it up. Ready? The last name's brutal. Go for it. Nemestikov. No, Nemestnikov. Nemestnikov. Nemest, yeah, Nemestnikov. Yeah, because you got like the it's like the letters between the consonants yeah, yeah. and the vowels there. Nemestnikov. That's that's a that's a mouthful. Yeah. How did I miss him? All right, what was his numbers? You guys' numbers in front of you? I do not. Let me. Because I, I missed that one. I, I did no. not see this guy. He I was just my, in two thousand. I picked my favorite. Is that's the who I got the numbers on? <laughs> oh man. Let's see for the. Uh, 2000 for the National Predators. It was it was a stint between AHL and he only played two games. So that's that's the numbers and zero zero goals, zero assists, uh, zero points, uh, zero penalty minutes. So there you go. Oh, I got it here. Okay, I think I just didn't put him on my list because I didn't want to have to pronounce that name. Probably. Namestnikov. <laughs> that was actually his last season in the NHL too. He never right. played after that. We'll just, we'll just call him John Pylon. <laughs> <laughs> call him John. All right. So we're going to go in. Uh, we're going to back off of that one. Sorry. Good yep. catch there though. I did leave him out. <laughs> so then we got, we go to 2001, 2002 and it was Nathan uh, Perot or Perot. Uh, someone Perot. can help me out there. If I'm, I'm guessing it's Perot though. Um, two seasons with the Predators, 22 goal or 22 games, one goal, two assists. He did score a game winning goal. So we'll give yep. him that. But um so number twenty is off to a brutal start in Nashville. <laughs> um, it, it, the number is not getting any love here early on, and then uh, we go to after that. Yeah, this, this one's my boy. That's when the guy comes in that <laughs> owns this number, probably in Preds history, and that is Ryan Suter. No, what? Oh, nope, no, nope, no, my boy, Oleg Petrov. Yeah, Oleg Petrov. In 2003, I got it off of the Predators website. Yeah, I'll, I'll well, Oleg, well, the Predators webs. Well, the Predators website knows way more than me, so yeah. uh, you're so probably he played, playing. He played in 2002, 2003. He spent the majority of his career in Montreal. He played 17 games for the Predators, got two goals and two assists. Yep. That's my boy, Oleg. <laughs> I'm, I'm lying. Right. I've never heard of him in my life. <laughs> no, you have his jersey. Don't even lie. Yeah, I do. Yeah, there, there is actually, and after him, there's two more between Ryan Suter. Where do you not see this guy? So there's a there's a thing on their website with his like uh, all the numbers. Okay. Like uh, yeah, so there's nine guys. So you had Suter. Right. Okay. Because we got we got two we got two after Oleg, and then we get to Suter. So yeah. the next one I've got is uh, Todd Warner, who played in uh, 2003. And let me see if I can pull up the stats real quick. Um, I feel like he was probably a short stint kind of guy as well. As you can see, as you can see, though, number twenty did not have any memorable no, players. They got no for a long time. <laughs> and I don't. And he the guy after Warner, I don't even know how you say his last name. War, yeah, so Warner got six. So played six games for us. Has one assist, uh, one point, and four penalty minutes. So <laughs> there's that. I got a I got a Simon Gam- Gamache. Yep. That's it. How yep. You- 
Gamache. Five foot ten, one hundred and eighty six pounds, uh, Canadian. Ninth round pick in two thousand by the Atlanta Thrashers. Long live the Atlanta right. Thrashers. Um, he played a grand total of eleven games with the Predators and no, eighteen games with the Predators and managed zero points, zero goals, zero assists. Wow. No, I'm but seeing, was, I'm seeing, I'm seeing one goal here in 2003, 2004. Oh yeah, that's right. He had, he had a sip between the admirals. You're Don't right. take away yeah. that one goal from him, Simon. <laughs> How could you do that? Poor Simon. I might have been a career high. Man, this him. this segment's <laughs> off the rails, right now, but it's okay. So now uh, we get into the guys that we know. Can we actually get to the guy we know now, who is Ryan Suter? <laughs> Boo. Hey, Ryan Suter still gets boos when he plays. Uh, and like, as he should. He, National he, Predators fans never forget. He, he's like one X. He's kind of like Rattelov. He's like one X. Preds, so Preds so fans hold grudges like crazy. Yeah, they do. And they will never let – and that was really ugly at the time. Yeah. Ryan Suter's exit out of Nashville was not pretty. That was right when the Preds were starting to become like a legitimate Stanley Cup type of contender. They had Shea Weber and Ryan Suter. They were that was before Ryan Ellis came along, and it was Ryan Suter and Shea Weber. They were arguably one of the best one-two defensive punches in the league. And I mean, Suter just you know you can go into all these different reasons for why it didn't work out, but he ended up going to the Minnesota Wild, and fans were not happy about it. And to this day, it wasn't even that we didn't give him enough money. It wasn't even that we didn't. Yeah, he he is like. Uh, you go back cool. to the stories, and it's like a prima donna type of thing because it was like yeah. we offered him. You know, I wouldn't say we didn't give him the brink struck. We didn't give him you know Shea Weber numbers, but we offered him pretty much the same amount that he got from the Wild. And I think like, one of the reasons why fans got really upset over it was I'm pretty sure at some point or another he made it seem like he didn't want to leave Nashville and he was going to stay. Well, he he well he said that he didn't want to play for Nashville unless they resigned Shea Weber, and so we should we okay. that's why we matched Shea Weber's offer sheet. We're among other reasons too, because he's our captain, we wanted to keep him. Yeah. But you know, we did that. We basically played. We played Suter's game, offered him the same amount of money, and he walked. I mean, he just he just walked. That's he's what a, it was. He's, he's so fans, so fans are still bitter over that. But uh, Ryan Suter, he actually put up an even two hundred points in five hundred forty-two games in his Preds career. Uh, so he was, like I said, he was during that era when the Preds were one of the best defensive teams in the league. They couldn't score a lot. They didn't have that offensive um, superstar, but man, was it hard to score on them? That was uh, that that was around the time when Pecorine was starting to come into his own. Yep. It was so hard to score on the Predators during that era, and Ryan Suter was a big piece of that. <sighs> Still, and he and he wasn't your prototypical <laughs> offensive defenseman either. He was that he was that defenseman that just. We'll get Fuck. in on you in Hard the right place at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. So Suter owned number 20. It's, it's going to be really hard to find a player who is um, better than him. So you can tell me if I'm wrong, gangs. I feel like I keep missing players that you guys are catching. But I got 2014-15 Anton yep. Vol- yep. Volchakov. There you go. Sounds sounds about right. <laughs> he took the number and he took the number on 2014-15 season. And put up seven assists in 46 games. So he very briefly had that number. And then we get to another player that he was nowhere near on the superstar level or even the everyday starter level. But he had a lot of fans. 
He had a little bit of a cheerleading squad for this guy, and that's Mika Salamaki. Yep. That guy was one of the hardest working guys on the ice. For all the talent that he maybe didn't have to be a regular NHL starter, this dude had high energy. He'd get out there. He would he would body check. He would put up the hits. He would do everything he could to score goals. Um, I always appreciated his hustle, his hard work. So Mika Salamaki is actually the last Preds player to wear the number twenty. Yep. Yeah, we're due. We're due for another good one there. But you guys, you guys ready for the the trivia question of the night? The last side of the night. Give us give us the trivia question right now. All right. Who is the most famous Predator player to wear number one? Ooh. <laughs> No looking, no no cheating on that one. I, yeah, I don't I mean, even have an answer for you because that's such an odd number in hockey. Like I feel like that's a number you don't ever see. Oh, it's an odd answer too. It's someone. Well, is it a player? Well. Is it a player that we've actually heard of? Like when you tell us this player, oh, we're yeah. be like, oh, oh my yeah. gosh, yeah, your, your mind's oh. even blown. Huh? Uh, I have no idea. Not Number even again. Can you at least give me like a year that this player played? 2016 is when they wore number one. Ooh, oh, okay. That helps out a little bit. Um, is it? Mm, I don't know. Just tell us. Yeah. We're going to be here all night. Yeah. I don't have an answer. It is Mr. UC Saros. Oh, I would have never gotten that. I would have never got that. <laughs> I would have liter- literally guessed every player that's played <laughs> since 2016 before UC Saros. That's funny. He is. It's what his one. It was his uh, when he just got up to the NHL. It was the first season in the NHL. He wore two thousand or uh, two thousand sixteen. Mike Dunham, but you know. Oh yeah, good old Mike Dunham. Yeah, yeah my my, my, Dunham. my boy Mike Dunham. The first <laughs> old center of the Preds actually uh, starting the first yeah. starting old center for the Preds, Mike Dunham. I don't think All these right. guys. I don't think these guys care about their numbers as much because I've seen a couple of interviews with them and they're like. I don't know. It's just what they gave me when I got there. They had a jersey yeah. with this number on it, and I took it, and that's just what stuck. Our Army went from 38 to 33, and nobody really batted an eye. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. That's yeah. good. I, I don't know. It'd be kind of weird if Forsberg didn't wear number nine, let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's fair. All right. Hey, so I, I've, got, I've got a really good solution here for number 20 and all of its problems. Let's just get Philip Tomasino up here. We'll give him number 20. And he I mean, will be the he will be the goat of number twenties within three seasons. He he's worn number ten before, so it's like once he gets to the big leagues, let's double that number. And let's make we him can a just we can go ahead and put Ryan Suter to rest when it comes to number twenty, and we'll we'll just we'll bring Philip Tomasino in as the goat of number twenties. But we wanted to we wanted to at least have a number twenty theme since it's episode twenty, and every episode is a blast to bring to all of our yep. listeners and followers. We really do appreciate and love bringing this podcast to you. Uh, we have some really awesome uh, Twitter followers who have been interacting with us regularly, and we really appreciate that. And speaking of that, I got to give a shout-out, because I said I would, to Ducky, who is the oh, yeah. Ryan Ellis Stan account. <laughs> not yeah. CJ. Yes. And No, it's not CJ. It's mm-hmm. not CJ. But I got I to gotta throw some love to Ducky. We actually learned, his, learned, learned their name. They were like, oh, anytime you're uh, giving me a shout-out on the podcast, make sure you call me Ducky. So uh, Ducky is an awesome uh, responder on Twitter, and so we want to give a shout-out to them for listening to the podcast. And you can do the same. Anytime you're listening to the podcast, reach out to us on Twitter. Give us those awesome Preds thoughts, comments, 
comment on the show. Tell us what topics you want us to cover in future episodes, and we'll be more than happy to do that for you and give you some love and give you a shout-out. And on and Facebook. So, Facebook as well. Yep. Facebook so as well. We're going to wrap up. We're, we're wrapping up episode 20. Preds lose again. They got another game on Saturday. We will have our next episode uh, next Monday. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's going to do it for episode 20. Again, go get the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code THPN. Until the next time, uh, myself, Chad, Minton, Rich Howe, Colin Bluen, we will talk to you uh, on social media. Until then, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And until then, everyone stay safe and take care. Stay and warm. go Preds. Yes, go so Preds. We got to stick. Hey, go Preds. We got to stick with them right now. Right. That, if you're a true fan, this is really when it tests you right now is, is when, when your team's struggling like this. So uh, we'll see you next time. All right, everybody. Uh, you know what? I'm I, just I, so heated because of what, what you're telling me because I, I do not want to live in a world <laughs> in a world where a craft dinner is the fucking substitute to a good macaroni. You're putting powder. No, no, no. Mac- macaroni, as you call it, is a substitute for candy. <laughs> oh my god, go to... Go to Italy. If you ask, open some no, 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 no. If you ask any Canadian, would they rather have macaroni or KD? They will tell you KD is the best. It is superior. It is a fucking national treasure, and it is the greatest dish in Canada. I'm Mason Dixon, a Habs fan stuck in Leafs country. With my co-host, Corey, a southern beauty trapped deep in the bayous of Louisiana. With over 2,500 kilometers of separation, we still managed to come together to give you Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. While I don't know what a kilometer is, I do know Habs hockey. Don't let the 10-year age gap or distance fool you. We bleed Blue Blanc Rouge, and we're known to serve up hot takes along with our unique charm. Join us every Monday and Thursday for Hockey Talk, Ref Rage, and your daily dose of Southern ignorance. Only on the Hockey Podcast Network. Katie is the superior macaroni and cheese. Get the fuck out of here. You put um, ketchup on your fucking macaroni, you nasty kid? Yes, I fucking do. This has been Habs Nightly. You guys have a great night.